Welcome to episode 74 of and the Pirate have. Monk Podcast. <laughs> Sorry, I had to throw that in there. 74.2. That's it. We had some technical difficulties, so we're actually re-recording yes. this uh, completely impromptu podcast. I'm your host, Nate Larkin. We're coming to you kind of live from high above the Mellow Mushroom in metropolitan Franklin, Tennessee. With me, as always, our fearless and peerless engineer, Mondo Grimes. Howdy. Joining us live via satellite hookup uh, from the left coast, the Commodore, Aaron Porter. And here, Hello. <laughs> and here in Samson Control, yeah. special guest for the day, Mondo's business partner and traveling companion, John Hartman. Welcome, John. Thank you for having me. Glad you're here. Me too. All right. Well, the big news of the day is that you guys are back. Mm-hmm. Uh, we actually took a two-week hiatus from the podcast without your expert assistant, uh, Mondo. But yeah. we, uh, you, of course, were in our thoughts and prayers that whole time, gone on the epic journey to Cambodia. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Now, when did you get back, first of all? Because I want to know how tired you really are. Uh, we got back Wednesday afternoon, last Wednesday. It's about a week ago. Yeah, so he, they're on the back end of the fatigue. The fatigue yeah. usually takes a week coming back. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I actually didn't realize how strong it was until like four days later. Ugh. I was still feeling it. Yeah. I mean, I knew the first couple of days would be bad, but, you know, on Sunday I was still kind of feeling it a little bit. Yeah. I was like, geez. Yeah, I got the 930 text from Mondo. He's like, dude, slept in. Rain got me. <laughs> I, I'm watching online today. I was like, sweet, dude. <laughs> I would be too, but I had to run the PowerPoint at church, so no good. Yeah. Wow. Well, uh, so I want the recap. Okay, yeah. Well, first, let's say thank you to all the guys who uh, who came alongside and helped mm. out, uh, contributed prayers, uh, donations, whatever it may be, yeah. um, for allowing us to go to Cambodia and, and have this experience and not just us have this experience, but allow us to empower us to, uh, record this project that John's going to explain what it is again, uh, her 100%. And, um, we just want to say thank you to all the guys who came alongside. It, was, mm. it means a whole lot. So as Aaron is re decorating his studio, <laughs> John's going to explain <laughs> what, uh, what, why were we in Cambodia? Well, it all started, uh, <laughs> Man, um, we met up. We met up uh, with the Mondo's Church uh, Oasis here in Nashville, and um, we met up with some people that um, have uh, a rescue home for girls that have been ages five to fifteen, named uh, She Rescue Home in Phnom Penh, Cambodia. Um, heard the tragic stories, um, the redemption stories, and we really both of our hearts were kind of broken at that point, and mm-hmm. wanted to figure out what we could do to help yeah and at what capacity beyond prayer and awareness um so mondo came to me with a an idea and said man what if we did a worship project took the kids from k5 presents Mm -hmm. get some kids from the youth group at oasis as well as from city point we go to cambodia to get the uh the girls um who actually live at the she rescue home Mm -hmm. And we get everything sponsored. So from the initial sale, 100% of that sale amount will go directly back to She Rescue Home. Yeah. And 
there wasn't much else to talk about except for how to make that happen. Obviously, I was in. Um, mm-hmm. We met with Lee Ramsey, pastor, uh, co-pastor of um, City Point Church in Brisbane, Australia, um, who is also the founder of She Rescue Home. She was in the States. We met with her, uh, talked to her about the idea, and she, she was like, yeah, like, yeah. what do you need from us? And we're like, nothing. Just access to the home. Yeah, just yeah. access. She's like, done, let's do it. And so um, that's where we're at. So we started making plans and uh, figuring it out and, you know, getting prayed up. And as prepared as you can be for that for that kind of a situation going to yeah. a third world country where, unfortunately, sex tourism is the number one dollar amount you know dollar maker is it really sex tourism yes i knew that was the case in thailand yeah that was the case in cambodia it's just yeah it's just as bad in in cambodia in cambodia it's it's, unfortunately it's focused more on the children oh um i mean it's so bad i got pictures and we're gonna we're gonna post those up on our site i'll try to do that today but it's so bad uh, and this picture just blew my mind i walked by the sign every day for the seven days we were there and i didn't catch it till the last day but you know, by the elevators, they got the hotel rules. Usually, you know, no smoking, no this, and yeah, it says, uh, it says, um, please do not bring into the hotel guns, explosives, fireworks, any illegal drugs, or um, uh, child exploitation for sexual purposes. Wow! Like the fact that you have to put that on a sign, yeah. So the dude walking in, oh, okay. I can't you know, do that here. Yeah, it, it's like no. it, yeah. it's just like wow. So, you got to put. Go ahead. What are the laws uh, concerning that protecting the girls? Well, it, it's kind of like underage. Obviously, it's 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 illegal. Um, it's not what's, a what's of what's of age. Uh, well, eighteen. But, okay, so it's still it's eighteen. Yeah, eighteen and. First of all, the, our first night when we got there, mm-hmm. oh, dude, Mondo and I, you know, we've been some places and we've been through some stuff uh, individually yeah. and, and you know together. Um, but we got there and I can only I've I've never been to it, but I can only compare it to the red light district in Amsterdam that I've mm-hmm. heard about, mm-hmm. where it's like it's out, it's in the open, there's no hiding it, there's no nothing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, we pulled onto the block, uh, the tag. We got there at about midnight. And um, <laughs> literally, dude, it was so funny. We're just driving. We're just like, where are we? And we pull onto the street <clears throat> and look across, and there's all these just, just bars. Yeah. Broth- brothels, bars, brothel, bars. With brothel, hordes, just... hordes of girls sitting out front, you know, and I look over, and, you know, I'm getting the old, uh, you know, love you long time look yeah, and yeah. all that kind of stuff. And it was just like, whoa, like, where are we? And I said, dude, I hope our hotel is not anywhere near this. And as I said this, the cab driver's like, here we are, the Lux. Yeah. And Mondo and I are like, are you kidding like, me? We're staying right here? We're yeah. staying here. And I mean, the hotel was nice. We walk up, and we're starving, and we're just like, dude, let's go out and look around. You know, you're in a new spot. Right. We got to the front door of the hotel. Right. And we were both, I'll say it, we were both scared. Yeah. Like, yeah. it was just like, yeah. everybody's looking at you. And within 10 seconds, this little girl comes up. She's eight, nine years old, probably comes up to us and she just starts, you know, talking to us. And yeah. at that point, I don't think either one of us really knew, like, 
how loose this country was. Yeah, yeah. And, like, was this girl just asking for money, or did she expect, was she a prostitute? Yeah. Did some guy send her over here? And so we're just, like, trying to avoid as much contact as we can, you know, eye contact and, and otherwise. And so we sat on that curb for about... About 30, 30, about 30 minutes, man. 35 mm-hmm. minutes just looking up and down the block yeah. and really, like, praying, like, Lord, are we, we go, supposed to go out right now? Yeah, do we go back inside? Yeah. Do we try to find something to eat? Do we just fast to the morning yeah, yeah, or yeah. what? I mean, it was it was one of those things where your instinct, the spirit in you says, you know what, don't go left. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so we both said, all right, we're not going left. Yeah. How about right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was like, maybe. We yeah. went yeah. half just sit a here block. for a little bit. We yeah. went half a block. And then that was it. Yeah. <laughs> that was Got it, something man. to eat and drink. Yeah. And then we're like, let's yeah. go back to the room. Yeah. 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 And and hey, I know we're kind of getting away from what we started with, but <laughs> what we didn't know, it was Wednesday at about maybe 12, 30, 1 o'clock. The streets were jam-packed. And there's so many people out. And we're just, like, confused. You know, it's like a Wednesday. Wednesday yeah, night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What's so, going what on? Is, yeah, what's up? Like, this, this country is banging. Like, there's people out every night. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's crazy. Come to find out, it's it's water festival there. Okay. Usually, four million people come into the city for this big water festival. But the um, the king, uh, the, they had massive rains before we got there, and the rivers were too high, so they canceled the boat races. So only only about a million and a half people came in. Oh, I see. From sur- surrounding provinces right. and all that yeah, kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah. So that explained why it was so crazy, but. The laws are very loose. Um, you, we weren't there five minutes before we saw uh, a grown man. Yeah, a grown probably man about with, your age, Nate. Yeah, walking by with a thirteen-year-old. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it's it's everywhere. You could sit at any restaurant. Yeah, on that block, and we're on Street One Thirty Six. It's the hottest oh, street, and you know, in yeah. all of all of Cambodia, and. You you sitting there and right next to you there's a guy sitting there with a underage girl. There's another the guy over here sitting there with a, a of age prostitute. I mean it's yeah. just out in the open and they date yeah. these girls and it's yeah, yeah. it's out in the open and no one's hiding anything. And literally, I mean there there were just guys everywhere with young girls, man. It was it and, was just the most. And I think they they justify it they justify it as it's no different than if you know uh, I'm going to a club for spring break. Yeah, and, and I just meet up. I hook up with some chick that I meet. Yeah, go home, bang it out, and yeah. and be done with it. Yeah. You know, but obviously there's no money exchange in place. Right. If I meet some girl at a club, you know, back when I was doing that kind of doing thing. that kind of thing, and not married. I love you, honey. And um <laughs> and so uh, but over there it's just that's how they that's how they justify it. Where yeah. But and all the money is exchanged, and we're not. <laughs> that was another thing that blew my mind. So I'm like, how much money are we talking about? Yeah, yeah. Like, anywhere from five to ten dollars. Yeah, yeah. And and that's anything goes. And it's just yeah. like, yeah, unbelievable. And and we're not talking about girls that are, uh, you know, there are some that are out there f- for themselves. Mm-hmm. But you're talking about people that are owned. Yeah. You yeah. know, modern day sex slaves that are told to go out on that curb and told to go to that restaurant and find these guys. Yeah. It was just so creepy, and it's like. What do you do? Yeah. What were you going to say, Aaron? So these girls that you're now, I mean, what a great introduction for you guys on night one to see what you're about to walk into. Right. Absolutely. Uh, so these girls have been taken out of their homes either by a family member or, like you said, a neighbor mm-hmm. and sold 
to some pimp or something? Yeah, they're so they're, yeah, human trafficking is is a huge thing over there. It's it's, it's like so enormous you can't even imagine. Um, every all the girls at the she rescue home come from at-risk situations. They're rape victims. They were sold by their parents, sold by a neighbor. They were kidnapped. They were tricked mm-hmm. by a, a so a trafficker would knock on your door, Aaron, and say, "Hey, we're a boarding school from up the street, and we want to give your your child a scholarship." You know, are you down? Have all these fake documents and take your child. You think your your child is in school, but your child is now in the trafficking system. Yeah. So there's there's a lot of that kind of stuff going on. Grandma is babysitting a child and gets you know uh, is in a bad situation, needs money, so she sells her grandchild. Hmm. I mean, there's the any- moms, the moms and the grandmas, they they own a lot of the power over there. It's, oh yeah. It's, it's very. Um, it's a matriarchal yes, time. Absolutely. Um, I, I mean, I remember very specifically one night we we're sitting there at the garden bar, which is right next to our hotel. We're getting some fried rice and prawns, you know. And, yeah. And uh, everything's very cheap over there. So yeah. what Mondo and I did is we started, <clears throat> you know, buying food, buying two meals essentially. Yeah. Two things of rice and then getting one to go and handing it out to somebody who's who's right. there. And it was like the second night I did that, gave, uh, you know, got to go a thing of water to this girl, she was, uh, she's probably, again, eight, nine, ten years old. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she kind of took Tomando and I, was following us around mm-hmm. the whole week we were there. And so I was like, here you go. And uh, she got it and took off running. Yeah. And she came back ten minutes later. She and I'm like, it. where's the food? Yeah. You know, and she goes, oh, I had to take it to my mom. And this is all in broken English, but, you know, yeah, I had yeah. to take it to my mom. Yeah. She, she was hungry. And, and then, you know, she comes right back up to me and is like, eat, eat, you know, yeah. I'm hungry too. So, um, so uh, it was just kind of like, wow, okay, um, mm-hmm. interesting. So your mom is hiding out somewhere, got Lord knows how many kids, right. you know, out there and about to um, do what they need to do what yeah. they need to do. Yeah. So um, it, I'll, I'll say this, and we're getting deep quick, but I've never been anywhere where I've been ashamed to be an American. mm but Cambodia was the first experience where I was ashamed to be um, a Western white man. Yeah. Because we are we're funding their sex tourism stuff. Yeah. That's all there were. Yeah. Were middle age to late age. Yeah. White men. Yeah. Taking advantage of these of these girls. Yeah. And at the same time, in that, I've never been more proud to be a Christian. Yeah. In a place like that. And I really struggled with the first couple of days with the being ashamed of it. Yeah. Then I uh, talking with a gentleman we'll talk about later. Uh, he said, uh, he's like, you you can't be ashamed of what you personally are not doing. You're not doing this. Your best effort can be to give these girls a legitimate smile. Yeah. An interaction that doesn't involve sex yeah or uh you know coercion or right all all that kind of stuff and it was just that was really powerful it's like yeah. wow you're right i'm i might be the only western guy that this little girl or older girl ever sees that that doesn't want them for sex yeah and it's just literally how was school you know yeah. did you go to school today did you eat today what yeah. do you need you know and <clears throat> that was that was just really powerful and that's that freed me up um, spiritually and emotionally for the rest of the trip to be yeah. honest so I could actually enjoy it and create <clears throat> experiences for myself as well as these kids and, and, and girls women 
that didn't involve uh, you know exchange of goods yeah to say the least well i understand that you guys had uh, had one event that really just overshadowed yeah uh, let's talk about that in just a minute when we come back on the pirate monk podcast <laughs> Welcome back. We're in the middle of our conversation on Cambodia, and I wanted to kick it off with a question to you, Mondo, because you were talking earlier about the the girls that you met that were, you know, forced into this life. They were really victims of some of the most horrific things we could ever imagine, and yet the attitudes you encountered were not that of victims. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I, I was saying that there... The, the attitude you see is more of survivors than victims. It's it's uh, it's remarkable. You you forget that they have these stories. You you see these little girls. They they seem happier than my own children. Now, not the girls. You're talking about the girls and, and, on the street and, and, and the girls no, at the and, she home. She rescue home. The girls at she rescue home. Uh, definitely. I mean, you think about girls who have been you know trafficked, you know raped, at risk. All kinds of sex slaves, the whole nine. I mean, being raped by their fathers and brothers, you you name it, man. Mm. Uh, had medical surgeries to to repair, you know, to, to repair their parts. Mm. I mean, all all kind of crazy stuff, man. These girls are five to fourteen years old at this home, and you're you're sitting here like, okay, they're running around happy, joyous, playing games, pulling on you, jumping around, playing ball, laughing, smiling, and you forget. It's easy to forget. I don't know. For me, it was that mm-hmm. they have these stories yeah. until you step back, you know, from the group and mm-hmm. kind of look and remember where you are. Yeah, yeah. And or uh, yeah, you you remember that? Oh wait, that girl who's nine, she has syphilis. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and that one has AIDS. Yeah. Oh, this this one, she she was she was working for her family. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's right. She's eleven. Yeah. And she was supporting the family. Yeah, yeah. That girl right there was sold for a total of $300 mm. and kept for a year. Yeah. And here she is telling me about Jesus. Yeah. Telling me Dude. how much he loves her. Just, yeah. It's just messing you up. I yeah. mean, there's, there's no there's no way to describe that. I mean, the the attitude, uh, as you're, you're talking about it, man, it's just, it, it definitely inspires a lot of self-reflection. Yeah. Especially as a Westerner, you yeah. know, looking at your own life. Looking at what these girls have gone through, um, and it's also you also see what a remarkable job the staff at the She Home is doing mm. with these girls. How structured it is, you know. Yeah. They they didn't allow us to spend all day with the girls. Uh, there were there were specific times where they had us come in and either do a craft, you know, play ball with them, mm-hmm. do a devotional. What's cool is that they actually have have part. Some of us do devotionals and training with the staff too. Oh, okay. Yeah, because so, the staff mothers—they're the, obviously they're the ones that are with those girls twenty-four-seven. Yeah. Now, keep it going. Uh, are, are the staff mothers Westerners or are they Cambodian? They're Cambodian. Uh, Cambodian. Okay. Yeah. Okay. There was only two or three, really one, one or two that spoke, uh, girls that spoke decent, English. understandable mm-hmm. English. Everything else is spoken in Khmer, okay. which is their their native language. That's spelled K H M E R. But you said Khmer. Okay, Khmer. Okay. Yeah, and. It was just it was phenomenal, man. I mean, to to go there and to turn our equipment on and get the audible sounds of the house. Yeah. Um, it definitely. I'm, I'm t- to be honest with you, it sounds totally different than what I thought I was going to record. Yeah, yeah. You know, when I if you would have told me on the way there, what do you think it's going to yeah. sound like? 
and I probably would have said, except maybe, you know, happy here and there, happy to see us, sad when we go, a little somber here and there, mm-hmm. blase, blase, you know, to catch the reality of it. But it really sounds like I went to Disneyland yeah. and turned the microphone on. <laughs> it's, it's, it's crazy. I mean, yeah. it, but in, in a beautiful way. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, and, and to go there and to be able to, the first day, because of one crazy situation that we'll talk about in a minute happened, I was able to stay with the girls quite a bit of time, probably yeah. like four hours before John came back from taking care of this one thing we had to do. Yeah, I okay. didn't even meet the girls for the first two days because I was off doing this, this other situation. Time, yeah. yeah. Okay. And and so so I so, so it was the, a drug deal or I'm not. There's a drug deal. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, we were actually it was the first day we were um, headed to the home. We had lunch. Yeah. We went to um, had our orientation. Yeah. And we went to another building to kind of see what was going on and. Uh, while we were leaving lunch, we were on our on our tuk tuk, you know, the yeah, moped yeah. carrying yep. the cart or whatever. Right. And uh, we usually had our, our leftover food. We would give it to someone on the street. Yeah. And we we saw a young guy w- walking down the street, kind of limping, and we was like, we'll probably give it to him. But the tuk tuk was going too fast, so we said, okay, we'll just find somebody down the road. Yeah. So we get going. We get to our spot. We go inside. We're, we're doing what we have to do. I come out, and everybody's behind me. I come out, and I almost trip over this guy sitting on the ground. Uh huh. And I'm, I start staring at him like some something, something's not right with this guy. He's about 20 years old. Yeah. Uh, a, a Cambodian young man, and uh, it's like something's not right with this guy. So I kind of wave to the rest of the team. Everybody comes out, and uh, we have our, our driver who speaks you know speaks Khmer and mm. starts talking to him. Come to find out, um, well, it's kind of two parts to it. What he told us was, he, he, now first of all, he looked like he yeah. wanted if he had an off button. As far as to die, mm-hmm. he would have hit it. Yeah, he, yeah, he was crying like a like a like a little kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, he mm-hmm. had a bandage on his leg. He couldn't he couldn't walk. Couldn't walk. Yeah, um, he had he had he had a uh, his eye was all busted up. Yeah, he had mm-hmm. a big hole puncture behind his ear. He had a he had a, a wound underneath his leg. Mm-hmm. So we started talking to him, and uh, the information comes out that he was he was walking through the city. He had a chicken. That he's trying to sell a chicken mm-hmm. so he could, you know, get money to go back home to see his family. Because mm-hmm. he didn't live in the city. Right. He, he lived out in the rural provinces. So apparently he had this chicken, got mugged, mm-hmm. got stabbed in the back of his leg. They broke his leg. Beat with mm-hmm. the stick. Beat with the stick. Well, we, didn't know, we didn't know he had a broken leg mm-hmm. yet. But well, he, and here, here's the thing is when we all walked out, that's when the trip became very real Yeah. to, to all of us right. that came over from the States. It was yeah. just like, you know, the day before on our day off, Mondo and I went golfing. Yeah. yeah, and it's yeah. kind of like, whoa, this is real deal. Yeah, and yeah. it's where it hit home because and, it's like now it's it's game time. And yeah. Lee, uh, founder of She Home, she's been going over to Cambodia for six years now. Yeah, and her lack of hesitation. Yeah, and her she effort was, to action. Yeah. Is just unparalleled. I've never seen anything like it. She yeah. instantly, you know, we're all kind of like... She dove in like it was our own child. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, there, were, there was no hesitation whatsoever. And yeah, we're yeah. told, you know, you got to bring hand sanitizer. Don't be touching nothing. Don't try to... Don't touch anybody. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's just crazy. So we're kind of going off that. And Lee just instantly sees this young man crying. Yeah. She goes and just instantly is like, what, what's up? Like, what do you need? And it's like yeah. you said, we found out uh, he came into town to sell a chicken, got beat up. And she's like, okay, well, let's put him in the tuk-tuk and let's take him to a hospital. Right. And I was just like, and at that moment, as soon as she said that, I was like, I literally heard the Lord say, you need to go with her. You need to get this for 
the team. Right. And I said, can I come with you? And she's like, absolutely, let's go. So right. so I went I went to the She Home with to, to start spending time with the girls. Right. With the rest of the team, John right. and Lee took the young man to the hospital right. to figure out what kind of uh, medical attention he may need. Right. Uh, so kind of find out he needed a cast. Yeah. His and leg was broken. You gotta like we you know homeless people here are treated not well. Yeah. It's even less in Cambodia. Right, right, right. The worth is just nothing. So when we walked him into this, you know, medical place, um, it was just like it was like we brought a big turd yeah. into the, this hospital to get desmellified. Yeah, yeah. And they they wanted nothing to do with it. Yeah. And you know, first thing of course, you know, how are you going to pay for it? Are you going to sponsor this support? Yeah. And so <clears throat> yeah, we had to take him to get X-rays. Comes back, got a cast, a tetanus shots, three stitches on his leg. And another thing is, it was so weird because the whole time we're in the room with him, like, right, like the like, like it's your brother or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And so, um, Lee, it turns out he lives the the kid lives uh, two bridges away, which right. is about an hour and a half on a tuk tuk. Right. It's getting. It's probably it's afternoon by this point, and uh, Lee didn't want to put him in a taxi because there was a very high percentage chance that. Taxi was going to get about six blocks up, boot him out of the car, right. take the money, and just peace. Right, right. So <clears throat> we took him to a guest house. It was kind of like a hostel. Right. Paid eight bucks, put him up in a room, bought right. him some new clothes on the way there because they were all bloody and, and torn and right, whatever, right, right. and then told him in the morning we'd come back, get him, and take him home. Uh-huh. Sweet. So we did that. Wake up the next morning. Uh... Lee and I go back to the guest house, and it was just like a new man. Really, was sitting there on the curb. Yeah, he had his crutches. He was, uh, you know, he he, he got a little cigarette from somebody, and he, it was like he was just living it up, just chilling. Uh-huh. And uh, he he almost had a smile on his face when we pulled up and uh, got out and helped him with his crutches. <clears throat> got him in a tuk tuk. He had mentioned that he was scared about going home empty-handed because mm-hmm. he he had a chicken, mm-hmm. and so we stopped and we bought him uh, a fifty kilo, about a hundred pound bag of rice mm-hmm. and a case of water. Right. Got him some breakfast, some rice and and, and eggs and vegetables, yeah. and started the journey. Mm-hmm. And uh, <clears throat> started driving and went over the first bridge. And then it was just like once you get out, like anywhere you get out of the major city, it's yeah. like everything just changes. Like holy yeah. crap! Yes, we are definitely <laughs> in the jungle. <laughs> yeah, we are not in Montana. You know, <laughs> this, is, this is crazy. And so uh, we drive and we drive and we drive. And again, the story I'm gonna put up today on our website, uh, you'll be able to see it. But it was incredible. The farther out we got, the more Lee and I are looking at each other like, where are we going? Like, yeah, yeah. I really hope I don't get malaria. Like this is this is scary out here. Yeah. But his his demeanor and his right it got taller and taller. Yeah. Because he knew he was getting closer to home. Right. Yeah. Yeah. His smile was bigger. Yeah. At one point he was kind of humming a little tune, and uh-huh. then they got a little bit farther out, and he started just singing. Uh huh. And it was like to see through us the love of God transform this kid from 24 hours ago. Yeah. Where he wanted to die. He was yeah. giving up. His yeah. will was gone. He, he was yeah. done, broken. Yeah. And, you know, it ended up being about 45 miles from Phnom Penh. But yeah. that 45 miles might as well have been 
a million yeah for his situation sure yeah and just what a like you know god starts working on you like yeah, yeah. you know how far away do you think you are from where you want to be yeah, yeah yeah um the hell that i had to put this kid through here to get him to you guys yeah <clears throat> and now he's <clears throat> essentially getting a limo ride yeah back home <laughs> with a bag of rice with a bag of rice water. And, a case of water. <laughs> and you can just see god's restoring yeah yeah love to this kid and it was yeah, just so yeah. overwhelming we finally got out to the second bridge and we started going over and all of a sudden he he, he recognized somebody uh-huh. and he pointed and he tried to you know explain uh-huh. that it was somebody and we're just smiling like yeah cool man <laughs> so uh we cross over go left and go down this dirt road for a while and it's just straight jungle you know mm-hmm. and uh and that was another thing that was really weird there's naked kids everywhere like babies yeah yeah because there's no diapers right they're not going to put you in clothes until you're potty trained because you're just going to pee or poop in them that's right and there's no laundry machine right right so it's just easier to let them run around naked and do right. their business when they can right which makes sense but still it's shocking still kind of yeah. shocking though yeah. yeah and uh so they're, they're just naked kids everywhere and so we then we just all of a sudden come to a halt and go down this little dirt path it's not a road it's a dirt path uh-huh. and we're kind of bobbing and weaving through all these little huts and villages and of course everybody's looking at us and we're way outside of tourist zone so yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. you wonder it's like have these people ever seen yeah guys like myself yeah, yeah you know yeah. out these parts we pull up the boy is just beaming beaming and so <clears throat> we stop and uh rit who's our uh tuk-tuk driver and he's native and yeah he's yeah. awesome guy um he's the guy in the video when you see it that has the employee of the month shirt on uh (laughs) i think he wears it every day but um we start the we start walking down this dirt path again and the boy's on crutches and i'm so thankful we had our video cam i got the entire thing on tape as Uh we're walking up to the home well we walk up and i'm really not sure what to expect right and uh what we see is is a hut that's on stilts, probably five six feet in the air, and as we roll up, this very old, thin man is sitting underneath the hut next to a fire with a naked, probably one year old uh-huh. baby, and they're watching some fish cook on uh-huh. on this fire. And I say fish, it's more like a minnow, like uh-huh. it was just nothing. Yeah. And he gets up and he walks out, and uh, they start talking, and the man's just kind of sitting there with this very very confused look on his face. Uh-huh. As he looks at what I was assuming was his son. Yeah. And he just looks at him. He kind of head back and forth. And then five, six seconds goes by. And at that point, I was kind of scared. Like, oh, crap. Like, Dad's pissed that he lost his chicken. Yeah, totally. (laughs) You know, he's like, this is not going good, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And so, and then all of a sudden, the man collapses. Uh And just starts sobbing uncontrollably. Huh. And... Lee and I are kind of looking, you know, like, okay. And uh, mm-hmm. and then they point, and Mom comes up the path behind yeah. us. Same thing, just looking at him with such confusion. And she does, she drops, starts uh-huh. bawling. Uh-huh. Come to find out that a year ago, the boy went into Phnom Penh for Water Festival, which was going on yeah, yeah, yeah. a year later, um, to try to make some money and get some work. Uh-huh. And at that water festival a year and a half ago, there was this huge stampede on this bridge. Uh-huh. 500 people died. All these people got washed downstream, down uh-huh. the river and, and were missing. Uh-huh. The parents thought he was dead. Oh, wow. He had been gone 
a year. Oh, wow. And, and they heard he had died in the in They heard Champaign, he died. And he got washed away. And again, 45 miles to us. It's yeah. like, but there's no cell phones. There's no, there's no email. There's right, no, right, right. There's no drivers that are going to take this family with what right, they right. had. Right. So their confusion was they, they were looking at a ghost. Wow. As far as they were concerned. And they just kept saying in Kamai, I can't believe I'm seeing my child again. I can't believe they're seeing him again after so long. Wow. And so it was just mm. like, I mean, to them, we brought somebody back from the dead. Wow. And it, it was just so They, they come to find out that the family are Christians. Yeah. Oh, and they're Christians, and it was just like you know as I said, which uh, is odd there now. Let's, yeah, let's, yeah, let's yeah. talk about it's this. very Buddhist and Hindu, and yeah, uh, and, and so Muslim, yeah. so we're there, and we're just kind of getting all these bits and pieces of the yeah, story, and yeah. and uh, it, it was just so incredible. So I, I walk down and get this massive bag of rice, <laughs> right, right. Start walking up the path, and um. And set it down, and it was just like I might as well have just brought them a bag of gold, uh-huh. and and they're just looking and uh, just you know a con Jesu, a con Jesu, which is thank you Jesus, thank yeah, you yeah, Jesus, yeah, 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 and uh, it was just unbelievable. And then what got even more trippy is everybody's kind of talking, you know, word kind of gets around in the hut village, right, right, right. All these kids come in, and. Uh, you know, uh, that morning I just happened to go to a little mini mart across from the hotel and, and bought like you know fifty suckers and a whole yeah. bunch of Mentos and yeah, that's right. whatever else. Uh, <clears throat> so I just start passing them out. Got all these kids and I start taking some pictures and some video and I showed them the video and and then it dawned on me. Oh, actually no, Rit Rit said they've never seen themselves. Oh. <laughs> and I was like, what do you? Oh. Okay, that okay. that makes sense. Yeah, no mirrors. They live around. in a one room yeah, no shack. Mirrors. There's no yeah. mirrors. There's right. no cameras. Right. So I got my phone, you know, and I flipped it on the front facing camera. Right, right. So they could see themselves. Right. And I would still be there, <laughs> literally <laughs> showing themselves. You know, because they just could not get enough. And yeah. you know, the smiles that they saw when they saw each other it was just yeah incredible. And I got pictures, and it's just. It was just, but it's little things like that. Like, yeah. I told my kids that I'm like, these kids have never They've seen never themselves. seen themselves before. It's like, wait, what? Like, think about that, guys. I mean, you never seen yourself. Yeah. They wow. May, they may have seen themselves in a reflection on the river. Yeah. If it's ever clear enough, which yeah. it's not. Yeah. But yeah, there's no mirrors, there's no glass, there's no yeah. windows. Yeah. And it was just like, wow. Yeah. Like, you know, the worst part of my day is they don't have pumpkin scones at Starbucks. <laughs> you know, it's just like. <laughs> Wow! Like well, sometimes the worst part of my day is that I can see myself. So I don't know that can go either way. I got you on that one. Well, with all my pumpkin scones, I'm quickly getting there. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no. But it was just such. It was just. Uh, it was literally a miracle. And then to think about, again, the awesomeness and the power of God. Where if this kid would have been a block, north, south, east, or west. Right. right. He happened to plot. I mean, think about placement, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah. was walking down a, a random street after yeah. he got mugged. Yeah. yeah. Couldn't get, just about to give up and decide to give up at our front door. Yeah, 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 yeah. The people from the West. Yeah. Who had yeah. the ability to do everything that we did for him. Yeah. Wow. And we and, and we could have just, you know, given him a bottle of water and our leftover food and yeah, then like, hope it works. Yeah, but yeah. Because be warm, of, be because of the yeah. action, yeah. it was like in 24 hours, a little over 24 hours, this kid's life transformed went from no hope 
yeah. to all the he could the conquer the world. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. just to see yeah. what God does with that and to restore it. And um, I, I, I had a smile on my face yeah. the, the whole way back. I'm like, it's just unbelievable, wow. unbelievable. And to get back and to tell the guys. And, yeah, and then come back to the home, to the She Rescue home. Yeah. yeah. After after all that, you know, of course, I'm I'm anxious, wondering like what's going on. Uh-huh. You know, showed him showed him the video of the walk up and the father collapsing, and that's I had to walk outside of where we were. That's when all the emotion of it just kind of hit me. Oh wow! And it was just kind of like, dude, it's like because you yeah. you internalize, of course, you know, it's like yeah. if I thought one of my child children was gone, yeah, or dead, yeah, and a year later after I've had a funeral, yeah, and I'm done with it, yeah, he they come back walking in. back. <laughs> it's like what, what would that do to you yeah, as, as a parent it's yeah just, and so it was just incredible and again we're going to post that story in the video and pictures up yeah either today or tomorrow um if you guys can you know want to check at it her out. 100%.com yeah. yeah her 100 the, her and then the number 100 and then percent spelled out her 100%.com okay yeah. all right we'll be back in a moment on the pirate monk podcast take these tears This throbbing pain, these grinding fears, this darkest stain, and make it go. Long hard years that you ordain like a mist appears or falls like a rain. And uh, I don't know what can top that story for the rest of the day or the rest of the week, quite frankly. That was amazing. Yeah. So thanks for that, John. And see, I'm so glad that you were able to go. I mean, we were talking about Mondo just going, and none of that would have happened if you didn't get to go. Yeah, right. I am pretty cool. Um, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> no, it, it's definitely, that's what Mondo and I said so many days, every day that we were there, yeah. when it was like we sat down for a second and reflected, and both of us were like, neither one of us could imagine one of us not being there yeah, yeah, or yeah. if we both just yeah. didn't end up going to experience this right. trip yeah, and yeah. thank you again for all the hustle and flow you know right yeah. before we we're getting ready to roll out and um to to allow that to happen because yeah. it absolutely was a life-changing experience and um it, and it doesn't one, sound to me like Plum Penn is a place that you want to go alone no 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 no, no. no, no. And, it's uh, a dark it's, deep ra- <laughs> it's, a, it's a dark deep rabbit hole and that, it's, yeah. just, it's another crazy thing about Cambodia is there's no beaches. Mm-hmm. There's no like you know ski resorts. Yeah. There's no reason to necessarily go there. Right. Um. 
other, you know, especially from the West. I mean, there's yeah, yeah. so many places you would go before you end up in Cambodia living in America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, but now if you're over there in Australia and, you know, it's a very normal destination between Thailand, Vietnam, and Cambodia, and even Laos. Uh-huh. Um, but for us to go over there, it's just like, unfortunately, there's only one major reason, and that's, um, you know, the sex tourism industry over there. Not the reason we went, of course. Yeah. But that's why a lot of Westerners go over there. But... That's what kept tripping us out, too, is like, you know, you can go to Mexico and you can get extremely third world very quick. Yeah. But then two hours be chilling on the beach with a Corona and a bucket of shrimp. Right, right. And, you know, just like, that sucked a while ago, but I'm good now. Where here, it was just, you're surrounded by it. It was just 24-7. Wow. Fan. Unbelievable. Yeah. So, her100percent.com, check it out. Uh, There are still ways that you can participate and give and... Definitely pick up a CD when it comes out. When do you think it's going to be finished? When can we have a CD in our in our players, in our cars, yeah. downloaded on our computers? There, we're trying to get it done and released. Uh, January is uh, Human Trafficking Awareness Month. Uh, we're trying to, we're praying that it gets done by then. And it's like you said, there's still a lot of opportunity for help that's needed. Uh, financially as far as manufacturing and covering those costs like we talked about. Right. Um, but January, February is, a, is a realistic. That's what Mondo and I are, are I believing and shooting for. Yep. Okay. Very cool. All right, so Brother Aaron, what, right, what, what's... So check it out. So what, what do we have coming up next on the agenda, my friend? Well, today we have a, a special guest. Mm. His mm. name? Yes. Nathan yes. Larkin. <laughs> oh, I know that guy. I, I have been, I have been getting questions from uh, some Samson men, who have some questions for Nate. Mm. And so today's interview, although we could have just kept going with this Cambodia talk, uh, but today's interview is of Nate Larkin. So sit back, get comfortable, maybe pour yourself an extra cup of gin. I mean coffee, and. Uh, <laughs> Here we go. It was supposed to be rum. I was going piratey. Yeah, yeah, rum. Gin, Grog. Gin, gin, gin was a bit British. Uh, pour yourself right. another martini so. and call it good. <laughs> <laughs> good morning. Uh-huh. Little uh-huh. hot totty. Yeah. All right. So so do you, do you want to preface any of this, Nate? Do you need to... You know, no, no, I'm fine. Say anything ahead of time? No, no, I'm fine. I'm, uh, I can't wait to hear uh, the questions that you have so uh, dutifully prepared. What do you got? What do you got, bud? Bring it. All what right. happened? All right. Well, here we go. Uh, do you want to? Do you want to start easy or hard? That's what she said. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> All right. I don't care. Come on. We, the, the, keep this thing moving. We're losing listeners. It's dragging here, the podcast. Pump it up. Okay. Uh, how strong is your pull to relapse? What was the next chapter after you wrote the book and became a success? Is that two questions or one? Uh, you pick it. It was one question, uh, one person asking both questions. They were tied together. Yeah. Well, I, you know, uh, the answer to both is kind of related. Uh, the first thing I did after completing the book was relapse, uh, which was kind of a natural progression. I finished the book, looked at myself in the mirror, and said, congratulations, buddy. You have written the book. You're the guy who wrote the book. You're the pro. Um, 
And I, I took on this, uh, what still is my greatest nemesis in this way of life. Uh, this kind of expert mentality that I'm just, uh, just a cut above the common run of Samson. Uh, you know, I really, it's, it's my role to help a lot of, to help everybody else, but I really don't need a lot of help now. And that for me, when I allow myself to start thinking that, is the prelude uh, to failure. It was only uh, a week or so after I finished the book that I just did a face plant into the uh, into the internet. Took me completely by surprise, and and then came the moment of truth. Uh, I didn't tell anybody, but uh, a, uh, a, a Samson meeting was coming up. I showed up at the meeting, and that. Uh, Son of a gun who was leading the meeting picked as the topic honesty. And we got into the sharing group, and I knew right there that it was, you know, uh, uh, I was either going to go back to hiding, lying, obfuscating, or I was going to have to get honest. And grateful that I was able to, to, uh, to talk honestly about my relapse in that group. And then, actually, when we got back together for the close, I told everybody. And I said, uh, you know, one thing I've learned in recovery is we stay sober a day at a time, but sometimes we get sober an hour at a time. And I know I'm going to need to be checking in hourly for the next couple of weeks uh, because I've scratched the itch and, uh, you know, the urge is back. And so I passed around a paper uh, and asked guys to sign up for a slot starting at 7 in the morning and go until 7 at night hmm. uh, when I could call them. And uh, to this day, there are guys who say that that for them was a turning point in their recovery. When that, when the meeting, they realized at that meeting that, that uh, nobody's bulletproof, and if Nate can admit uh, his failure, then I can admit mine. It's a safe place to do it. Everybody needs help. He needs us. It's not like he's the champion. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, this, the, um, the urge to relapse uh, comes and goes. It comes in waves. Uh, I thank God that the obsession is gone, but the urge still comes from time to time. Uh, mostly when I am uh, afraid, that tends to drive my uh, behavior more than anything else. But uh, if I'm nursing a resentment against anybody, that can definitely kick up the urge for me because uh, somehow it's a very uh, quick trip from resentment to entitlement. And then, you know, I can get a reward. That's what my, what my addict tells me. Uh, and, you know, sometimes I'll have long stretches, weeks and weeks at a time, when really the thought does not cross my mind, that also can be very dangerous because then I can begin to neglect, you know, st- stop making phone calls, uh, you know, start to think I'm, I'm fixed, I'm cured. Uh, but eventually, uh, you know, the, the, the urge is going to return. And, I, and I've resigned myself well, here's, that it's never going to go away completely. 
here's a good follow-up question okay. uh, by another monk that you know and love who will remain unnamed, Okay. which is how much of that struggle uh, do you share with Ali? Where do you draw the line? Um, Ali and I have a, an arrangement. She gets an honest uh, answer to any direct question. And probably once or twice a year, Allie asks me for specifics. Uh, and she always gets an answer. Aside from that, I don't bother her with it, and she really doesn't want to know about it. She is not my uh, accountability partner in matters sexual. She's really not built to carry the weight of that job. Uh, that's why I have brothers. Allie gets great comfort from knowing that I'm meeting regularly with other guys, that I meet weekly with my Silas, that I'm making the phone calls. In her mind, she's got a bunch of brothers-in-law out there that are looking out for me and for her. Uh, so, no, I, I won't lie to Allie, uh, but I don't give her unsolicited information. And my wife is wise enough not to, uh, not to be the sex police, not to get all up in my business. Um, and she's got plenty of her own stuff to look at. So in the last six years, what characteristics of God have become most clear to you in this process of brotherhood and healing? Oh, good question. Jeez. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think... You know, God's relentless pursuit of me uh, has become more and more evident. Uh, his, um, thanks. Uh, God's sovereignty has become more and more evident. Uh, just as, uh, you know, we were, uh, John and Mondo were just sharing about, you know, this amazing, uh, you know, fortuitous event where. The guy, you know, the guy who his parents think's been dead for a year, happens to come down the right street, at the critical moment in his life, stop before that door. Mm -hmm. um, I I don't know that I have a story that dramatic to share, but I do see day after day, week after week, these uh, I encounter these amazing moments. These it's almost as though sometimes I'm going from appointment to appointment. And sometimes I'm the guy giving help, and sometimes I'm the guy getting help. But I am astonished at God's ability and willingness to um, orchestrate events for my good and the good of others. I'd say that's the biggest thing in the last six. It's absolutely humbling to see how much God continues to redeem my stupid, crazy, shameful, sinful story and use it uh, to change lives. It's mm -hmm. astonishing and very, very humbling. And that wasn't a part of the uh, makeup of God's character that you saw growing up? No. I, you know, I, I really felt that God uh, was keeping track of my sins, but that's about the only thing he was keeping track of. And uh, it, was, it was all on me to do it right. I was going to pay a heavy penalty for doing it wrong. Um, and 
Yeah, no. I think I really believed, you know, that God helps those who help themselves. And, um, you know, I thought it was on me to make stuff happen. You know, today, Allie and I agree that, you know, our life plan really is just to continue following breadcrumbs. And uh, it's amazing how those crumbs appear, and it's amazing where they lead. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So another question that kind of ties into that, in those last six years or so, who are three influential men who have helped form that picture of who God is in his relentless grace in your life? Who are three men that have uh, been a big part of that, and how so? Oh, good question. Um, you know, David Mullen played a big role in my life for uh, a couple of years, and uh, and he would uh, he would push me in ways that other guys hadn't pushed me before, and uh, so. I, I've got to say, David Mullen played a big part. Dave Bunker. Mm, Bunker, yeah. The, it's amazing to me how closely uh, Bunker's heart has allowed, you know, how Bunker's allowed his heart to follow mine and the, and the hearts of so many other people. Um, the way he's maintained a, a, a deep uh, personal interest. And... Um, you know, it's hard. It's really it's hard to restrict it to th- to three. Frankly, mm-hmm. I'd have to look at all my local Samson guys right now. I would say the third guy. If you're going to have to name a third guy, I'd say it's my current Silas, uh, Kyle Rigsby. Um, uh, another guy who will relentlessly pursue me. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right. Couple more questions. Okay. What are the limitations of Samson? What should people expect it to do and not do? Oh. Jeez. Well, yeah. <laughs> a loaded question. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's lots of limitations to Samson. Um, you know, we have geolo- uh, geographical limitations. We're a small group, uh, real scattered. Uh, the strength of Samson meetings varies uh, greatly from city to city. And we've got a lot of guys out there who are nominal members of Samson, dying for a close friend, but they just have not been able to connect with anybody yet. We're also very young, and so we don't have a huge fund of wisdom uh, to, to draw on. Um, You know, there's a. We also don't have a ton of literature yet. We don't have a lot of instruction on how to find a good Silas, how to be a good Silas. We haven't fleshed out the path as well as we need to to help people understand uh, this route that we walk toward healing, toward godliness and freedom. Forty-eight hours of frankness is a big help in that, but there's much more we can we need to do. Um, so I guess what this what this guy's question was is what do you think some guys come into a meeting yeah. expecting it's going to be this or you know yeah. what should maybe they not be expecting? Um, well, first of all, attending meetings is not going to fix you. 
you can get uh, a huge relief and, and into kind of a, a pink cloud of early recovery by disclosure. You can get into a habit of going to a room once a week. Uh, but until you get in a daily relationship with somebody that you're telling the truth to, and until you, in a deliberate and orderly way, are walking you know, this daily path of uh, really practical repentance that we call uh, you know, the path, you know, life isn't going to change. However, you know, the, the amazing thing is once you get past the meetings, uh, once you get into relationship, really start to do the work, it's astonishing how fast change can come. Uh, but you know, but you will always face trial, and uh, you know it, the enemy of our souls is not going to give up on you. Uh, you're not going to find a day when you're n- when you're not meeting resistance. And um, you know, because Samson society is made up of human beings, those human beings are going to fail you. You're going to fail them. Your sponsor or your Silas is going to fail you at some point. Uh, it's uh, so you've got to you've got to have a a willingness to accept change and imperfection and incompleteness and we we have to maintain our faith in a sovereign God. One more question. Okay. Uh, the meetings help men identify and disclose their problems. Is there some piece that helps men practically with? what they should do next after they uncover those problems. I think what this guy was asking is, you know, we we get to that truth piece, but a lot of people don't have any tools with some very practical stuff they unearth. Yeah. So what what should they do? Well, I, I take an issue with the with the question itself, with the premise of the question itself. If all the meeting is is the place where I go and uncover my problems and I confess my sin, then that's not really a healthy meeting, and it shows that I'm not yet on the path. Uh, you know, I'm coming once a week. I'm really treating it like a classic accountability group. I'm going to come in and I'm going to confess, and uh, you know, you know, I get another lung full of oxygen, and then go back out and do it on my own. Ideally, you know, meetings are a place where we share experience, strength, and hope. That confession piece ideally takes place not in the meeting but in your daily interaction with your Silas. And it's your Silas who's going to be walking with you in a practical way toward freedom. So you've got to find somebody who, uh, and it helps uh, to have somebody maybe with some 12-step experience or somebody who's gone through uh, 48 hours of frankness and actually done the work. Uh, but the, you know, the practical pieces of... of uh, Sweeping away the wreckage of the past, you know, conducting, uh, you know, really disclosing, first of all, discovering and then disclosing in detail uh, the course and consequences of my attempts to live apart from God. I need some help, somebody uh, directing me and how to go back and dissect my life and look at it and own it. Uh, I can't I can't repent of what I don't see and what I don't admit. And it takes somebody other than me. Uh, to guide me in that process. And that really is a one-on-one thing. Uh, That isn't going to happen in meetings. 
Well, there you go. We are about out of time, so uh, we'll be right back, and we're going to wrap this up. And I think uh, from time to time we're going to have to add some more questions for Mr. Nate from the pirate community. So well done. Good, concise answers. Well, thank you. And I think that the pirate uh, community is dying to ask questions of the Commodore. Mm, I doubt I doubt that very much, but we'll be right back on the Pirate Monk Podcast. Yes, indeed, you're going to have to serve somebody. Well, it may be the devil, or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. Maybe a rock and roll addict. That's it for this episode of the Pirate Monk Podcast. We would really love to hear from you again. Uh, send in those questions for the Commodore. Where should they send them? On? Uh, send them to samsonpodcast at gmail.com. Samsonpodcast at gmail.com. As well as, if you want to hear more about the Cambodia situation, go to her100percent.com. There you go. All right. And if someone would like to send a definition of the Commodore, I would also be interested in that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, until next time, it's uh, it's Nate, Mondo, and Aaron with special friend and guest John saying goodbye from the Pirate Monk Podcast. Shame.